Anybody can start a company, but may not know where to begin. Join me, Stephen Beck, on my journey to uncover the tools needed to start your own business. Hear how founders started their establishment and expose their roadmap to success. Let's get started. Jacob Paul, welcome to the Business Breakdown. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, let's dive in and let's talk about Big Iron Fabrication. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just give us a little rundown of what Big Iron Fabrication does and maybe some of the different projects you work on? Yeah. So Big Iron Fabrication is a welding fabrication uh, company that specializes in ideally is heavy equipment, forestry equipment, and uh, just that industry of heavy machinery and stuff like that. We also do, you know, anything if it's metal to be welded, we'll do it. So gates, fencing, you know, you want to ornament for your tree, like really vastly we can do everything, but mainly focus is heavy equipment and that kind of industry. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, with you being in the fabrication, fabrication, excuse me, industry, where are you kind of going job site wise? Because when we originally talked, you kind of, it sounded like you're going on to the actual mm-hmm. job sites. Yeah, so of, like we're all mobile or it's just me. Yeah. I'm all mobile. So, uh, whatever I can bring back to the shop and do at the shop, depending on what the customer's needs are is the route I'll go. But, uh, mainly the job sites like new construction, uh, that's where we show up a lot, uh, repair equipment on site that breaks down, you know, they call me and then I go to wherever they are and then get them up and running again, get them back to work. And then, also a lot of forestry so you know i sometimes i've been 20 miles up to st joe uh, working on dozers and stuff like that where to where the the customer can't get the equipment it's not doesn't make sense to have them put it on a low boy and then bring it to me for me to do a two-hour fix and then pay a low boy fee to bring it back to the job site you know that's a it's almost three days of downtime and it just makes more sense just for me to show up on site then that way in the industry you can charge more as well which I mean it just works out for everyone really. yeah so it sounds like you're cutting the time of the machine being out of the field by you being able to be exactly. on the actual field yeah. to take care of whatever needs it may be so mm-hmm. you know when you're talking fabrication do you just want to maybe go even a little bit deeper on what you mean by that so you're welding so, so, so some the of the difference like fabrication is like all new uh for the most part it's all new brand new material stuff like that the, the other side of what I do, the main part is the repair on the heavy equipment. So that wouldn't necessarily be classified as fabrication yeah. in the field. I'd be like, oh, hey, uh, someone calls me. Uh, I broke off a cylinder on our excavator and I got to go show up and then repair that broken uh, piece of the machine. Yeah. So they can get back to work because the downtime of that machine not running doesn't make sense. So the fabrication doesn't really fit into the heavy equipment repair side. Yeah. But it does a little bit depending. It just all depends on what kind of job it is. Yeah, what exactly they're needing. So, yeah. yeah. When I've seen even some of the work you've done when it comes to replacing uh, some of the different buckets when it mm-hmm. comes to maybe, a, you know, the blades or lips on them. Yeah, that's a big, like that's kind of like the bread and butter of the whole 
whatever you want to call it is uh that's what i really prefer to do is like tooth shanks cutting edges you know bucket mouse people you'll rip a ear off a bucket on the quick detach or something like that and that's where like the buckets are this just money 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 it's just because it's easy work i mean it's hard work but it's not like mind boggling hard to do it's just a lot of hood time yeah and that's just welding stuff out and really i mean that's all it all it is it's not that yeah and i mean you think especially with how much busier the area that we live in is getting you know with the whole northern idaho you mm -hmm. know eastern washington area you know you'd think that would make most sense maybe for a company where they're out on a job they're trying to go 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 you know mm -hmm. and they have a piece of equipment that you know needs worked on and like you're saying instead of sitting there spending the time you know a couple days what have you to be able to get this equipment fixed i mean you could literally be there on the job whether it be a little bit extra i mean that's the amount of time i mean yeah. time is money exactly so that's the best i kind of said it better that's yeah the best way to put it especially in in any industry time is money but like yeah that's the best way to put it yeah no that's awesome so when it comes for like you to market yourself what are the maybe different tools that you utilize to get your name out there because i know right now this is your side job but mm. when we were talking earlier you like for it to be a full time oh, yeah, you got to get to a certain point goal. yeah main goal is the, to do this strictly by my, for myself you know and grow into something that is decent size you know yeah of course for your freaking corporate shit or whatever but just something that you know but uh, the best way to market would be for me in the new, you know, our time, social media and then word of mouth. Word of mouth is the biggest one probably because, you know, so many people see something on Facebook and they go, oh, yeah, that's cool. But then when, it, when they need something done and they were like, oh, hey, my buddy Jim was like, this guy you should call him. That's the best way to get. Yeah, so referrals mm -hmm. are super helpful. And I especially in that type of field where quality plays a yeah. huge part yeah because all the you know all the companies they all they all talk to each other they all know you know they're like oh who do you use or whatever like that and they'll be like oh you got to call this guy and then the more that gets around then the better off it's going to be for you right? yeah what well, what motivated you to like start your own business because it's one thing to have an idea and be like well i could really mm -hmm. i could really make this successful or you know, I could branch out and try this, but like what kind of pushed you over the edge to make you finally decide to make the leap, even though it's part-time, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is, is honestly is getting told what to do and how to do it. Because I've been doing this, a, you know, a long, for quite a long time. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I just, honestly, I was just tired of, someone telling me what to do every day and how to do it when I know how to do it better than they do, but you can't tell them nothing, you know, cause they, they're the boss. So, yeah. and you're the, but that's, that's really what drove me is cause like, I wanted to prove like I can do this too, just as good as, you know, if not better. And it's not like a anger thing or nothing like that. It's just, I can, that's what I want to do. I want to on it in a reality. I want to do what they have done and, but for myself, like I want that freedom of like, oh, it's Tuesday afternoon, then I can go to the lake if I want. Or hey, I, I got 10 jobs lined up and I got to work till midnight every night. That's what I, what really 
why I want to do it. Yeah, the freedom of being able to create your own schedule and exactly. workflow and, you exactly. know, work as much as you want or vacation mm-hmm. as much as you want. Yeah, and if it's, and if it, like I said, though, but it's not, if I got to work till midnight, which I've done several times, it, I'll do that all for a month straight. And then, you know, but to get to that point where like, oh yeah, hey, I just finished a big job. You know, it's Wednesday afternoon. I want to go to the lake with my wife and my kid. Then that's what I'm going to go do. Yeah. Do you want to maybe talk on one of the hardest jobs that you have accomplished? Maybe that was memorable that Mm -hmm. you can, you know, attest to just so people have an idea. Yeah. See, that's because like now when I started out, it was I was scared of everything. I was like. Oh, I'm going to fuck this up or I'm going to mess something up or, you know, I was always scared. And then, uh, that's what I think why I've been in self-declared to think I'm good at what I do is I'm not, like, I'm not scared of anything anymore. There's nothing really that like worries me or anything like that. But, you know, like, let me think of a big job. Uh, probably I did a, big trailer job and the thing that was more scary or whatever for me was the liability of it yeah. i rebuilt a whole uh trailer the neck of a gooseneck stock trailer and like the liability in that if if a weld were to break because it's in a vital sit point of the trailer that needs to be structural and if that something happens in 10 years you know and that cracks and breaks they can turn right back around at me and go you welded it, it, you know, and that trailer broke off and killed a family of four, you know, in a car and whatever else. So that's probably one of the big ones I've had to get over is like the re- repercussions of if you don't know what you're doing and don't do it correctly, then yeah, that's what I've had to get over. But what I've, I guess what I'm saying is there's nothing really that I'm scared to do anymore or scared of doing just because i've done it for so long i've kind of gotten over that yeah well it's just understanding the responsibility of the different jobs that you're working on where it's like well what's worst case scenario exactly. if this doesn't that, work that's out that's where that's where like insurance plays yeah a big deal in it like you've got to have that you gotta there's no excuse to not have insurance no matter what you're doing because it can all take I mean they take everything off. yeah well and just to touch on the insurance side um, the point of insurance is to, the transfer of risk to take it off you and put on the insurance company exactly. so instead of them being able to come after all of your assets it then mm-hmm. is transferred over to the insurance where it's like look I have these proper coverages this is the type of business that I do and this is why I'm covered because if something were to happen you know I want to mm-hmm. make sure that my assets and my family and you know the loved ones around me are taken care exactly. of exactly no, I totally understand that. When you are doing these jobs, do you do any sketch work for people? Yeah. And if so, what does that look like? Um, like on a new fabrication job, say like I'm building them. Like I did a, a residential automated gate entry system for a customer. And, uh, you know, the customer comes to you and they're like, you know, I kind of want this or that. or This is what I kind of want to happen. So... I'll go in my head and draw up what I think would be cool and have a good way to do it in the most, uh, what's the word, uh, fucking most, whatever, uh, fuck, 
the, like the fastest efficient the most, most efficient, efficient way yeah stuff. yeah uh and then and then i provide it to them i'm like hey like this is what it will look like in the end this is how much it's gonna cost you and then they'll be like yeah i like that do you think we could do this different like a little bit different or that a little bit different and so it's a good like base point to start off of yeah make sure the customer's happy because that's how i go i don't I won't take any form of payment until the job is done and the customer is happy. Mm-hmm. Besides materials, mm-hmm. if I can't cover it. Well, and with that, just to kind of maybe touch on the fence since you brought that up, when you're doing all your measurements mm-hmm. and making sure that everyone everything fits, it's one thing when you have an idea and like, okay, this is what it's going to look like, and then you get down to the nitty gritty. You're installing it. Right, you already you fabbed everything. Like, what are some of the obstacles that you've had to learn or overcome to make sure that your measurements are on? to where the person that you're doing the job for can mm-hmm. actually feel satisfied that, wow, that looks he good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta credit that to Mike Hoffman. He uh, he taught me how to lay stuff out like that. And it's all the old saying, measure twice, cut once. I mean, always measure everything, double check everything. And then the way I have come to get good at it, I get not really good at it, but to make sure I don't screw anything up is I'll sit there for say it, no matter what it is, I'll sit there for an hour, two hours. I'll sit there and look at it and think of like every step of the process of how I'm going to do it. You know, the, from the very first step and how that first step would affect the second step and then so on and so forth down the line. And I can sit there and go, yeah, well I should wait to do that because that might screw this up in the end and I should do that part first before I do that part kind of thing. So it's a lot, really what it all is, is just thinking and planning and measuring. That's all a lot of thinking. Like you really got to think of how everything's going to work out. If you cut one thing here, how it's going to end up down the line. That yeah. Kind of so it's going to be, you know, fully, like you're saying, fully thought out, like, you know, the whole layout of what's going to be done before you actually start installing exactly, or fabricating. Exactly. And then as you're going along, you got to think, you know, like every move, what's going to happen with this down the line. Am I going to screw myself by doing this right now? Yeah. And then have to go back and rework because that's where you lose money day and night. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. Well, let's maybe talk about time management because you obviously have your full-time job and then you have you know your side hustle your side business which is the big iron fabrication what does your time management look like because it sounds like with you being able to work both those you're a very busy guy yeah that's one thing i've had to get good at it's where i've had to i gotta plan my day job and then i gotta plan you know i gotta plan when i'm gonna get materials because i can't get materials when i'm at my day job on the clock and I can't get them on the weekends because they're closed. So I got to like plan for time off from my day job to where it's going to be beneficial for me to go get those materials and that job's going to make me the more money on the side or whatever. And time management's crazy. Like right now I got a job going that I got to get done in two days. I'm uh, taking a, like a utility trailer and then making the sides taller. So last night, after I got off work, in between taking pictures with my wife, and she's being pregnant, so we gotta take the pictures, you know how that goes. Like before that, I can cut up all this material and get it ready, 
so then after this podcast, I can go back to the shop and then grind that material, tack it all up, make sure everything's works right. And then tomorrow night I'll get off work and go weld it out and deliver it for the customer. Okay. So for like, let's look at it on like a weekly basis. Are you still working five days a week at your, your normal job? And then of course, after hours and on the weekends you have, you know, the side hustle going on. I mean, that's, that's definitely a lot of man hours been put into both. Yeah, exactly. Know, yeah, that's, both what, jobs. Uh, that's what I'm not, like I'm willing to kill myself to work for myself. So, and the only reason why I have that day job is because me and the owner and his son were good friends and I respect him and I'm not going to, I'm a field tech during the day. So I work on heavy equipment out of a service truck mechanic and, and, uh, a good mechanic these days is hard to come by, so I'm not going to leave him high and dry. Oh, I quit. So yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think so. And he's cool. He works with me too because he knows what I'm doing. So that's nice. Nice to have. Yeah, you brought up mechanics, uh, which I'm glad you did. Let's dive into your experience with not only the fabrication side with welding, but also the automotive. Where do you where do you start at would be maybe a good starting point for your experience that you have. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean, that's kind of what started me in the this whole industry was wanting to have a fast car in high school and wanting to you know you were there probably yeah <laughs> uh, that's really what kind of got me into it and then I found out about welding in high school and my buddy was a welder and shoot me and him I helped I just hung out I was like you I'll pay you to let me help you weld like I'll grind everything just like let me hang out with you and I'll learn from you you know kind of thing yeah I remember back in high school I believe it was our sophomore year yeah, my, we went to high school. yeah my dad picked up this oh. Honda Accord blown <laughs> engine and he had a long block for it and we my dad did just he just didn't have the interest to actually finish the project so we got in there and we just were like 100 percent no idea no idea what we're doing but just a hundred hundred percent confidence of like this is what we need to do we need to take this off right here these are oh, yeah. these are the bolts these are you hey, know at the end of the day we got that the lines <laughs> yeah, we got the if engine that out. car ever ran again yeah. i wouldn't know about it because i never came back yeah the engine just so everyone knows everyone knows never got put back in ended up selling it for about what we actually paid for so hey, that yeah, was it, a, it works out you know <laughs> Lots of it. I learned a lot actually from that experience. We which had is no good. idea what we were doing. We were yeah. literally just taking stuff apart. <laughs> but like that's what I love to do. I just like take stuff apart and you know. But then the putting back together was something that came later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The full the full yeah. journey of that. Yeah. Well, let's maybe talk about K Tech because we both went to K Tech together mm-hmm. in high school and. I was on the diesel mechanic side, you were on the automotive side, mm-hmm. and do you want to maybe touch on some of the different things you learned in that process? So K-Tech, uh, the only reason why I was in the automotive class was because I had the first year before that, and I was a guaranteed into it. Honestly, I th- the first year of K-Tech that you and me went to it, I, it, was, I was not, it wasn't any good for me. It, they taught me how to change tires on the tire machine. And that's about all I did was change people's tires for free on the tire machine. And it, I wish it would have been more, but I ever, I have a real sour taste in my mouth from that year, really, because it 
nothing was really focused on me because I was the only second year student in a whole first year class. And the teacher just couldn't handle it. No one in there really wanted to learn, you know. You know you know those kinds of yeah. things. They just wanted to get out of school. Yeah. And then go screw off. Yeah. And not take it seriously. And I suffered from it because, you know, there was no attention. Because I wanted to learn. I want to learn more. I, I want to learn how to build engines or whatever, you know. I want to do whatever. But no, it was, oh, yeah, go in the shop and change these four people's tires out for them. Yeah. Well, and just so people know, K-Tech is a trade school for people in high school that can go to learn and develop, you know, further in the trade industry. I think K-Tech was really good for me in the sense of on the diesel mechanic side anyways. Like what yeah, you're saying. No, no. I, I, think, I think it's a great thing. Yeah. But I think the first year, I think I was, it was just Delta bad. Yeah. And for me in particular. Well, I was going to actually talk on like what you were saying we went the first year k-tech was ever open and we were more or less the guinea pigs yeah, we, we were the first the year they just didn't have everything set up which is understandable and they actually had a lot of resources within the k-tech facility. facility yeah great yeah. facility you know great people i i agree with you um just didn't get maybe that full education i was looking for but with that being said, I do think if you are interested in the trade industry oh, and yeah. you're you know still in high school, I highly recommend going yeah, to K-Tech. It just speed, speeds up your learning significantly. But what I learned from K-Tech was going into diesel mechanics, I thought I wanted to be a diesel mechanic. And then you know after doing the schooling, I was like, I like working on my cars a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do not, not want to. I do not want to work on someone's vehicle yeah. for. Which for, is funny because like the automotive side, like. That was the last thing I want to do is work on a freaking car. Yeah. I'd rather work on a 320 Traco in the middle of a freaking mud pit than work on a little Toyota. <laughs> it's just, which is funny how that kind of works. But yeah. Well, nothing, but, nothing against the auto mechanics. We, I just, it's not for me. Yeah, it's just not your appetite. Yeah. Well, let's talk on the welding side because I'm assuming you do TIG, MIG, ARC. Um, yeah, so the, it's, uh, yeah, stick, TIG, MIG, and then flux core. Uh, yeah, I got, I do a lot of MIG welding, a lot of MIG and stick. That's kind of really all I do. I, I tend to honestly veer away from aluminum just because, in all honesty, I'm not that great at it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's hard to get down, but I got it. Yeah, I have a TIG welder and I really want a spool gun, which is just like a wire feed way of welding aluminum. That's what it is. But, uh, mainly is MIG and stick is what I really stick with. And then some flux core, depending on what it is. Flux core is just a wire feed that you run outside in a, it's kind of like stick, but in a wire feed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk maybe because, you know, one type of welding might be easier than another. Yeah. Do you want to talk about maybe the harder welding that took a little bit of time for you to get familiarized the with? The hard, hardest thing I've ever had to learn and not master, but get somewhat good at and that I'm, that I will probably forever have to deal with and forever have to always practice it is a seventy eighteen uphill stick that's probably i mean i've gotten pretty good at it but it's something that it out of nowhere it can just go horribly wrong and that's 
probably the hardest thing I've had to deal with. What about it is like the hardest? Some, uh, just 7018 uphill, running an uphill stick, uh, eighth inch rod. It just takes a lot of practice because it can, I don't know how to explain what's hard about it unless you've done it. But like, it's not like, it's not like, so 7018 isn't a fast freezing rod like a 6010 is. And that's where like the puddle like cools down super fast and it's, you can sit there and whip it uphill. 7018 is like, it's like a really finessed, almost kind of like a dance running it uphill. Like you gotta really, your heat's gotta be right on. Your material has to be nice and clean, tight joints. And you just gotta stay right. You can't get, your arc control has to be perfect. Your rod angle has to be perfect or else it'll just blow out and screw up the whole deal. But uh, that's probably the hardest procedure that I've had to learn how to, like I, something I, like I have to practice it. Yeah. And that's probably 85% of like repairs on heavy equipment is 718 uphill. Like, that's all, all you run on heavy equipment is 718 for the most part. Yeah, and that's good, you know, even for someone that's interested in getting into the industry, just them mm-hmm. knowing that right out of the gate, where it's like, this is something yeah. that I'm going to have to overcome. And if, if it's something that, that, like, say, like, you're in welding school right now, and you're, you're fighting it, like, it, it takes practice, like, hours and hours and hours. I remember after work, I, I couldn't, it pissed me off so much that I, I could weld 7018 any other position, but for some the main one that we got to use would just, I mean, it looked like, it would just fucking piss me off. And I would sit there after work and I'd fire up the welder and just tack, tack coupons up material, just scrap material and just run uphill, uphill. And then like mess with those heat settings and stuff and figure out like, you know, your arc control and that kind of stuff. And, that's what it takes. It just takes practice. And by any means, once you think you've got it down, that's when it, it's like, no, yeah. no you got to keep going practicing at this. But yeah, well, let's, let's bounce back over to big iron fabrication. Mm-hmm. You know, you are working your full-time job. You got your second job, you know, being your side hustle, the yep. big iron fabrication. Do you have a story of a breakthrough where you felt like, wow, this could actually work. This could take off. This could be my job in the yeah. near future. Do you have a story? Yeah, I mean, not, like, not really a story. I just remember like when I first, when I started the company and it's not like, I don't know how to explain it. Cause I had, I had done something before. It was like JP mobile welding, mm-hmm. it, but it wasn't a company, right? It wasn't like. So then I was like, I just hated the sound of like my name on it. And so the breakthrough like was like, I went and I was like, I'm going to actually have a legitimate company. You know, that was, everything's legit. Did that, boom, changed the name of Big Iron. And then like got a truck and got, I had my welder already. And then like got serious about it. And uh, I did like a job here or there. And then all of a sudden, Last year, I just started like rolling in all summer during the work season. It was like, I was like, I literally don't have time to do this. And I would work until 11 o'clock every night. Wow. Like probably for two months straight. And that's where I was like, this could really, 
like I could really do this. I could really live my dream of working for myself yeah. and doing that kind of thing. Like that's, but that's where I learned, uh, like you and me spoke earlier is you got to take on everything. You can't pick and choose when you're starting out of what you're, you know, Oh, you want a gate welded? No, I only, all I do is heavy equipment, but you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta go do everything. Yeah, I think making a name for yourself is definitely a big part of it. And once you've established those relationships with people that you feel like will, of course, continue to support you, but also are working in the industry that you most want to work in is a big deal. Yeah. And for you to actually have success like that and have that feeling, I mean, I think that's huge. And that right there is why, or at least motivates people to keep going. Yeah, and like the biggest thing for me, like we spoke earlier, kind of, uh, was I live, used to live paycheck to paycheck. And like, that's another factor of wanting to work for my, or start a company. I was like, I'm like, I won't, I refuse in my own head. I, I refuse to do that. I refuse to clock in when I'm 40 years old and go, oh yeah, my, my nine to five, I'm going to do my hours and go home and eat dinner and go to bed. You know, like I just, it's so like, I can't even imagine myself doing that. Like I want to be the one that's opening up the shop at five in the morning and planning the day and, you know, tell, I want to tell people what to do, not in a boss kind of way, but in like, you know, I just want, I want to be the, I want to be the top dog. Yeah. The leadership, you want to be the person that says, Hey, you know, even though I'm the boss, I want to lead us in a direction of success. And it's all about, money it's all it's about it's about making money i mean that's that's just what i do when you do insurance i will it's i don't do insurance you know well yeah you know what I mean? yeah it's the same thing like well let's talk about the future of the company um you know maybe you don't have exactly planned out what everything's going to look like but do you have ideas on what you want it to be once you get to a certain point whether that's you know next year five year ten year just kind of the general structure of where once you were developed what would you want um but what i would want is hmm i'd want i just want like our own shop you know and like maybe two or three employees i don't want nothing huge just i just want to establish business that is profitable you know you know what i'm saying like yeah well that's at least the first goal right i want to be able to pay obviously no no shit yeah Yeah. (laughs) make any sense but i'm saying like i want to be able to like have some employees and uh i want to pay them what they're worth because that's my whole another reason why i want to do it because i don't get paid what i'm worth for what I do. And especially with how much is growing around here, I want to be able to pay people, you know, what they're worth. And I want to produce a quality product, quality repairs, and uh, just live the American dream or whatever. I just want to big iron to be something that is more than just me. Yeah. I, I think one of the hardest things when starting out with your own business is the fact that you wear all the hats and you have to do all the mm-hmm. jobs and there's a lot of jobs that you like to do and there's yeah. a lot of jobs that you don't like to do. Honestly, a lot of it is, is uh, it's, not, it's not even the work, it's not even the welding part. Like a lot of what I do is planning and talking to people and, you know, figuring out 
material lists and that kind of stuff and then planning my time of how I'm going to make this all be efficient and make everyone happy. That's honestly like the welding, the work side of it is the last thing I'm worried about doing mm -hmm. at this point in time. It's like my day, like I got to get up, call people, talk to them, plan, you know, and then if, if I'm short on work, whatever, you know, then I'm, then my main goal is to go out and be like, Hey, this is a service I provide and talk to those people. Like I'll just show up at job sites and be like, Hey, if you guys ever need a welder or anything like that, or, you know, you rip a bucket in half, call me, here's my card. Don't take up any more of your time, but, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, networking is a huge part, mm -hmm. especially starting your own business because mm -hmm. getting your name out there and getting that exposure just takes time. And yeah. there's no shotgun. Let me let me pull back. There there is no super quick, fast, best way to get your yeah. name out there. Obviously, there's more ways that are advantageous to be able to get your name out there. But mm -hmm. for you to be able to go, oh, I'm starting my business and I want everyone to know who I am in three months. Good luck. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Good luck. Especially in this industry because no one likes a hot shot. Yeah. No one likes that guy who thinks he knows it all. And like like I said, they talk to each other. Like, Who's this guy? I've never heard of him. Yeah. You talked about material as one of the things that you have to go out and you know get for the jobs. Do you have any contracts worked out with some of the local you know, companies? I have accounts set up, yeah. You have accounts? Okay. Yeah, so like, but the main thing with materials as in any construction job is you can't, you can't do the job you're, you know, bid the job and be like, it's going to be this much. And then you got to know what you're doing when you're ordering material. Mm -hmm. uh, you gotta, you gotta compensate for, uh, the saw kerf, which is how much material this saw blade takes out before you even make your final cut. So I just ordered some pipe the other day for this trailer and I got to cope 10 one foot sections. Well, a cope is a saddle for pipe that fits over. Well, that cope takes out an inch. So if I got to do 10, then I got to add 10 inches to the overall footage for that wasted material. You know what I mean? Like, so you got to, but then what I, my main point is, is you can't be like, oh, I cut all my material and I got five feet left of material. It's just not efficient. You can't charge a customer because you screwed up measuring or you didn't compensate for that. Or the worst would be you didn't compensate for that inch that it takes out and then you get to the end of it and you're like, well, I'm short two pieces because I didn't think of, you know, it, when I do this, it's going to take out this much material, even though on paper I have enough footage. When it comes to actually giving the customer the price points for the job that you're going to do, what does that look like? Is it usually the day of you're able to provide a quote or do you have to say, hey, let me go ahead and bid this. Let me see what the material is going to take for me to be able to build it and then get a well-rounded, thought-out price for you. Yeah, see, that's a good point because the best way, you got to be smart in this kind of stuff. So you want to, I talked to a customer, you know, like I could give them a whole bid in an hour, right? I'm going to say, hey, I'll get, I'll get back to you. I'll give you a bid in uh, two days or a day. So you don't want to give the saying is, I guess, is you don't want to give yourself enough rope to hang yourself. So I don't want to promise someone mm -hmm. that, oh yeah, give me three hours. And then I'm sitting there rushing the bid. And then at the end of the job, I'm like, hey, like I missed something. And then I got to ask for more money. You can't do that. So that's what I'll do. I'll 
set myself up to where I give myself time in an efficient ma manner to get all the bids together, get all the pricing together. And then after I get that together, I'll round it up and I'll go high. So if they're like, oh, hey, how long does this take it? If it's gonna take me four hours, that'll probably take me eight to 10 hours at the most. So then I come in low and look good. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's what I'll do the same thing with the material, you know, cause everyone wants to think, feel like they're getting a good deal. And it's not, it's not, everyone does this. It's not a, like I'm screwing you kind of deal, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I'm not gonna set myself up to where, oh, we need something else. I yeah. gotta go to get that and then be like, oh, hey, nothing's more annoying than if you have a contractor working for you and they call you every hour ago, you know, so we're going to need some more money for this material. You know, it just seems shady to me. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll mark stuff up and come in high. And then when the job's done, then I'll come into the, what it actually costs. And then they're sa saving money on material and everything else. No, I totally agree. I think that's a good way to go about it. People, there's nothing people hate more than when you come up with... Especially homeowners. Yeah. Like residential jobs. Yeah. You got to do that. Yeah. Because, I mean, it just... People are so fast to be like this. Say you're working for someone that's working for you. You know, he's screwing. You think he's screwing, and your neighbor, not just you, just you know. You're just scenario, talking about the average, scenario. the average man average, in general. You know, yeah, yeah. So you got a fucking gardener working for you. He's like, oh, it's gonna cost another hundred and twenty dollars, and he's like, all right. And then that guy goes out with his neighbor. He's like, yeah, fucking gardener, another hundred twenty dollars. You know what I mean? That dude ain't <laughs> no, gonna call you. I totally agree. Well, and also not only you know getting your name out there might taint it because people are going, well, this guy can't even price it right, or he's charging exactly. me more than what it's worth. Exactly. If you can get to a price point that is not only beneficial for the person you're doing the job for, but yourself, exactly. without having to then raise it up, there's nothing someone hates more than when you agree on a price exactly. and that's what you think the price that's is gonna I'm be, saying. and then you know. A couple of days or whatever the time frame looks like down yeah. the road, you come back and you're like, "Hey, by the way, it's actually going to be more." Yeah. Even if you started out cheaper and then you went that approach by increasing the price, and mm -hmm. it was still going to be less than what you bid it for, mm -hmm. people hate the feeling. They don't want to change. Anything. Yeah, people. It's like we look, when we get to an agreement, I'm going to agree on that price point, and that's all I want to pay. If I'm going to have to pay more than that, I'm going to be really mad. And, and there's sometimes, like there's sometimes, unfortunately. You know, regardless of in, in the industry. conditions are a whole other story. Yeah. That's different. Well, people run into it where it's like, hey, look, I truly quoted it out for this. This is what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we ran, there were some, you know, blocks in yeah. the road that we ran into and we're going to have to increase yeah. it. We're going to have to and I'm super sorry about it. And but, most of the time people, if you, that's another thing is like building connections with your customers. It's like, you got to show up and, you know, you know. Someone comes to buy insurance. You're not like, this is the best one right off the bat, you know, insurance policy. You sit there and you'll talk to them for a little bit, you know, get them comfortable with you. And then that, you can get through that stuff if you have the people skills. Yeah, it's the relationship building. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, a that's huge, probably what a, the main part of the whole thing. That's a huge bit too when it comes to, obviously, even having that continuous relationship with that just mm -hmm. one individual or if they're going to sit there and refer out That's to someone exactly that it. they trust. That, it's like that individual knows a lot of people, I guarantee you. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter, you know, word of mouth, like we said earlier, is a 
best friend in this industry. Yeah. But even relating back to when you were talking about going to the job site and, you know, doing a job on a dozer or something that, you know, broke down Mm -hmm. and you need to sit there and repair it and you're saving them time by them not having to, you know, spend three plus days or whatever to take it to the shop. Yeah. You know, you can actually go out to the job site. I mean, you get a good name or relationship going there. They're going to go, wow, he saved us so much time Mm -hmm. and it was a no brainer. We're Mm going to use this guy again. I mean, you you get that continuous business. Yeah. Yeah. And the best way to do that is like the operators, like go, go down to like, you know, not the foreman's call you to show up. Right. But the operators are the ones who are trying to save their ass going, Oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. You know, I didn't do anything. It's just like, just chill out, dude. Like, we're friends. Like, make those guys your friends. Like, make the laborers your friends. Like, just show up and don't be that guy that's like, oh, this is my job site now. Get away from this machine. Because I know people like that. People don't like that. I wouldn't like that. Like, this is my machine. Like, what are you talking about? So, like, if you're going to do this and you show up to a job, like, just be cool. Like, just be like, it's all good. Like, doesn't matter. No, I agree. We're going to fix it and make them, make them your friends and they'll call you back. But like, you honestly want, you're just a nice person, you know, be nice and just fucking make them your friend. Yeah. We, we talked about, you know, your breakthrough or, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. the breakthrough side of you going through your business and having that experience where it's like, okay, this is, you know, going to work. Have you had any experiences maybe on the other side where, it was hard to overcome or it was like a job that you're working on. You're like, wow, this is, you know, not going to break me, but you're just maybe a bit more stressed out or something it's like, harder than you expected so you or taking like, longer like than something you. like hard to overcome or like something where like the job is like taking too long and you underestimated what you're getting into, you know, however you want to, you know, take that. I mean, almost kind of like a failure in a sense to where it's like, this was a failure, but it made me better to progress in the industry that I oh, work yeah, in. Oh yeah. Like, uh, the automatic gate job I did. I did the same. I undersold myself on materials, undersold myself on labor. Uh, and that, that was a lesson for me because I just ate it. Yeah. I wasn't going to, I'm not going to look, you know, I just have more pride in my word than being like, Hey, you know, like we talked about it, mm-hmm. but I, I, I just, I just ate it. And he, he met me in the middle, which is really cool of them. And that, yeah. that goes back to making them, you know, building a relationship with those customers is, you know, they'll help you out. And if you're not that, you know, established, that like corporation attitude yeah. kind of thing, this is what it's going to be like, no. And I talked to him, I was like, Hey, like, yeah, like I went over, but don't worry about it because I just wanted you to know, like the whole details of the job. Cause I'm giving you. An invoice of everything, so you have it for your records, and I can't lie about it. Like, mm-hmm. And I want it to be legit, but yeah, and that, but that was cool of him to meet me in the middle. And I was like, that's where I learned, like, yeah, you gotta, I gotta, don't sell yourself short on an estimate because it's just an estimate. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it, when you come in low, then you look good, and it's not, it's not a bad thing, or it's just business. It's all it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, and I think you did a good job by looking long-term versus short-term where That's there's I'm a at. lot of people will look short-term and go, well, I need the money now. And if I don't have the money, like, you know, I, I need this or I'm not going to finish the job or whatever that looks like. But looking long-term where it's like, look, you know what? I'm going to bite this. I'm going to eat the cost on 
whether it be the labor or the material, mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure I finish out and do a good job. That person's still going to be very impressed and excited with the work I just finished on. And hopefully that still leads to good business down exactly. the road. Exactly, yeah. And, and I mean, that's where like, that's where I think what's been lost in the industry, where there's been too many bad tastes in people's mouths is the people who are doing the work, the contractors, they're too scared to look someone in the eye and go, you know, I, I fucked up. And that's what I won't do. I won't sit there and lie through lies about why it's going to cost more. You know what I mean? Like I was telling them, like, Hey, it's, I screwed up and I'm going to eat the charge because I told you a price and I'm a man of my word and that's how it's going to be. And like I said, then I got, I didn't ask for nothing. Like I just wrote me a check for another couple hundred bucks. to just, you know, like, Hey, he, he respected that. People yeah. respect that. If you are straight up with them, Look him in the eye and go, I screwed up. But then again, that was a lesson I learned. Yeah. With big iron fabrication, do you do any of, whether it be diesel mechanics, auto mechanics, or are you mm -hmm. just primarily fabrication? Because the, uh, you know, the title can be a little misleading. So I it just. It is. So um, that's kind of, it's been a really touchy subject. So as we spoke, talk, as I talked earlier, I'm a field tech during the day. I work on heavy equipment. I've been a diesel mechanic my whole life from, you know, when I got into the industry, that's what I've got into. And, uh, that was another reason why I started this company was cause I did all the welding side too, too. And I was like, that's something I never get tired of. I damn sure get tired of changing oil and getting covered in freaking grease every day. I hate that. So my whole point was, is I don't want a mechanic anymore. I just want to weld, but if things are slow, you know, it just depends on what it is. Yeah, I will, I will pull wrenches and I've thought about doing a spur off of my company called Big Iron Diesel or Big Iron Field Services where I, another separate part, you know, but combined kind of thing. I don't know how you would do that or whatever, but of having the mechanic side as well, because, you know, not everyone, you know, people don't need welding all the time, mm -hmm. like in the winter, it gets slow yeah. unless you're welding pipe or something like that for you know a big oil outfit which probably isn't gonna happen anytime soon mm -hmm. then yeah i'm i'm a diesel mechanic yeah by trade as well so might as well make money on that too well it just captures more of the market and yeah if you already have your name out there more doors yeah, to more doors. fabrication on heavy equipment because you know like on-site service there's a lot of money in mechanical Mm -hmm. A lot more than well in this industry, I, in what I do, I think. Yeah. But if you can do it all, which is what I do, then why not? But it's something I don't want it to get carried away of constant mechanicing. That, that's where I yeah. start. Learn, that's where I start hating it. Well, and you have obviously the skill sets for both, and I think it's smart, at least in my perspective, to hone in on what you do enjoy and grow the business in that fashion. Exactly, Cause if you were yeah. to do it the opposite way where you're doing something, you know, let's just use the decent mechanic side where you're good at it. You still do it all the time mm -hmm. and you do have a passion, but it's not maybe as much as what you do for the fabrication side, exactly. you'd burn out and you'd, and you know, it could go both ways. Yeah. I could, it, one yeah. day I could be like, I'm sick and tired of welding. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, that's one thing that's never happened to me, I guess. 
Yeah. But well, I, I get. The, yeah, the reason I bring it up is because you still have that drive and motivation. Because starting your own business, it takes time to develop, and you can't yeah. expect overnight success. I mean, it's very rare if you do have overnight success. So. Having the passion to continue to drive yourself and work those long hours and in a position that you're in where you are working a full-time job and then you have your, you know, side job on the side. And another thing, like the mechanic and like, if I'm doing it for myself, that's a different story. Yeah. It's a, that's all it is. It's a different story. But if I'm, it's doing it for someone else is where it, it burns me out. Yeah. Where I don't want to do it. But. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, Jacob Paul, I appreciate you sharing your story with Big Iron Fabrication. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. For the people that came on to listen, where might they be able to get a hold of you, whether they're looking for a job or just want to learn more? Uh, 208-661-8588. Yes, sir, yes, sir. What about, like, social media? Social media, uh, Facebook, at Big Iron Fabrication, not, or at Facebook, or whatever. And then same thing, uh, Instagram would be at Big Iron Fab. You can reach me there. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone stopping in and listening. And uh, welcome to the Business Breakdown. Oh, yeah.